help of Hashem, we are learning about the Kama Daf Ayin Tes. We left off on Daf Ayin Ches Amid Beis, the last line, all the way in bottom of the Amid, beginning with Tanur Rabbanon, we learned in Abrais. Ganaf, if a person stole an animal, Vidnasan La'achar V'tavach, and he gave it to someone else to slaughter it for him. And again, quoting that which we learned on Daf Ayin Aleph Amid Aleph, that even though normally the din is that ain't shliach ledvaravera, but when it comes to the special unique penalty of tvicha umechira on a stolen animal, there were three approaches in the Gemara, all of which teaches us that over there, even if the Ganat himself did not shecht it, if he appointed someone else to shecht it, the Ganat will be obligated to pay dalad vehe. Or, continues the Braisa, Ganat. If a person steals an animal, and he gives it to someone else to sell it for him, the ganef, or on the top, the ganef steals an animal, and then he sanctified it. Now let's make something very clear. This vihigdish in this b'raisah is not referring to a case where the ganef designated this animal as what we'll call kedushas haguf or kachem is beyach, by saying this animal is an oila, that's not the case that we're speaking about. Here we are speaking about a ganef who gave the animal to Hegdish, the Kedushas Damin. Now that's a big difference, because if you remember, we just learned a little while back, the Gavaldika question the Gemara asked, I think it was on the Ayin Vav, that yes, when it comes to Shoy Re'eyu V'loy Shershel Hegdish, very nice that the person is not going to be chayv to pay Dalad V'heg from Hegdish, that's enough ayin vav, very good. But the question is that just like when a person sells an animal to someone else, simply by the fact that the Ganav transferred the animal's ownership to someone else, for that is chayv dalad vehei, the Gemara asked, why don't we say the same thing in Hegdish? In other words, if a person, if a Ganav steals an animal and he's magdish it, why don't we say that that transference should be considered like selling it? And the answer the Gemara came at the end is, is because if the Ganev designated this as a carbon that goes on the Mizbeach, since a person who brings a carbon on the Mizbeach constantly gets credit for that carbon, so if Reuven has an animal and he, and he says, Hadezu Oila, and they bring it on the Mizbeach, who does it belong to? Well, it belongs to the God, but you still say Reuven brought an animal. So that's why it's not considered a full transference, because he still gets credit for it. But Nedvaram Amurim, if it goes on the Mizbeach, so people say that animal was for the owner. Here, the Bryce is speaking about the Higdish that he gave the animal over Kedushas Damim. Which means that once you donate something to the base of Higdish, now it belongs to the temple. So the act of Higdish itself is taka like Mechira, which is beautiful. And for that, the Ganif will have to pay Dalat Vehei, because he gave it over. Or, next case in the Bryce of Ganaf, Vehikif, if a Ganif steals an animal and he gives it to someone else on credit, he didn't get paid for it. But he will get paid for it. Or someone else owes him money. He thinks he'll get paid for it. If a person steals an animal and he doesn't sell it the way people normally sell things for money, for cash, but he bartered it, he exchanged it for something else, or and he gave it to someone else with a gift. Again, it doesn't make a difference. The point of a gift is like a sale. He transferred the animal's ownership to someone else. Ganav upara choyvoy. If he stole the animal and he paid a debt back, Bach says bechoyvoy. 
Ganav upara behekefai. He previously had bought something on credit, and now he's using this animal to pay for that. Or Ganav vehishalach sivloinos bebeis chamav. If he steals an animal and he sells it at gifts, bebeis chamas here. The beis means a kalamid to his uh, in-laws. In all these cases. He has to pay four or five. End of Raisa. And now we're going to go through part of the Chiddush of the Raisa. Says the Gemara. The first two cases of the Raisa, whether it was Venosan La'achar V'tavach or Venosan La'achar U'machar, that Ganav Venosan La'achar V'tavach, the Yeishlich L'dvaraveno. As we learned on Daf Ayin Aleph. Chiddush. Meaning, Afal Gav D'bachol Ha'tayda Kula, Eishlich L'dvaraveno. Over here, Yeishlich L'dvaraveno. Now on Daf Ayin Aleph, we have three reasons. Here we're going to give one of them. My Tama, since the Tayda juxtaposes Utevachai, Oi, here as again, Umacharai, just like when you sell any article. The act of selling demands to have two parties involved, a seller and a buyer. So likewise, even though shechting normally can be done by one person, the penalty of Dalad Vehei includes an act of Tvicha, even, even Alidei Acher, even if you did it through someone else, which would mean that you gave it to a shliach to shechel on your behalf, even there you're chayiv. So that's the first two cases. Then the Braise continues, Gona Vehigdish, Ba'ashmein on Seifam, Gona Vehigdish, that unlike the dinim that we learned just a few daf ago, as we spoke out clearly, there it was Gona Vehigdish, Askedushas Haguf, and Eino Chanamli over there, you will not be chayiv Dalad Vehei, over here, that you gave the animal over to Hegdish as Kedushas Damim, you gave it to the Beit HaKabayis, you no longer, you, you, you're no longer named the owner of that animal, you gave it up, you gave it away. So here we say, The point is, you transferred ownership. Since you transferred the ownership, you are going to be Chayiv Dalad Vehei, and the rest of the Braises Chiddush, Furthermore, the Gemara doesn't have to talk it out, is that when the trader says, Umacharai, it doesn't need to mean Dafka, you sold it for money. That's the rest of the Braisa. You know, if you paid back a debt, if you gave it for credit, if you bartered, if you gave it as a gift, all that is part of the Macharai because of the same concept. You know, you transferred ownership. So every single din of the Braisa indeed is of a Gavaldika Chiddush. Moving on to the next Mishnah. Now, Ganaf Bereshus Habayla. If a person stole an animal, and the Mishnah wants to tell you the following concept, that when are you chayiv for tzvicho umechira? Only when, only if, before you sold it, before you shechted it, you did a legal act, or a illegal act of geneva. You won't be chayiv for tzvicho umechira, if you didn't prior to the tfiqa or to the mechira, if you did not properly steal it, it sounds terrible. You know, proper, it's not proper to steal. But as we'll, we'll see in the moment, we'll give the examples in the Mishnah, was you have to do that which will be halachically considered an act of Geneva. So for example, if we're speaking about the case of Dawad Vehei, so it must be referring to a case of an animal. And let's speak about the small animal. And one of the ways we learned this in Kedushin, that you make a proper kinyan on a animal is through Mashiach. Let's not forget that unlike Hagba'ah, that if I affect Kenyan Hagba'ah, I could do it even in the domain 
of the gifter, of the seller, when it comes to a, when it comes to Mashiach, there the din will be that if I am buying something from you, my Kenyan Mashiach only goes into effect after I take it away from your Rishos. I need to take it out. So here says the Mishnah, if a person steals it, Bereshus Abayim. So he takes the animal, this is illegal, but let's speak about just the Kenyan. He takes the animal from the Rishus of the owners, and he takes it outside the owner's Rishus. The Tavach Umachar Chutz Mereshusam, that's the key. So since he took it out, he affected Gneva. And now he sold it. So that's why he's going to be chayv to pay the Dalad Vehei. That's because the act of Geneva is considered a halachic act of Geneva. Or another example, Shaganav Chutz Mereshusam, when the animal was already outside the domain of its owners, even if when the person was taking it, he was taking it towards the Rishus of the rightful owners, if something is already outside the domain of the owners, the first tug, Rashi says, that he gives, the first Meshicha that he does, is considered an act of Meshicha. If he did it, L'Shem Geneva, so he ganved it. And even now, if he brought it back into their domain, this guy is a real crooked ganav. He knows that no one is going to buy it from him, because people know he's not the owner. So what does this the crook, crooked guy do? He takes the animal, he brings it into the rishus of its rightful owners, and he sells it in that guy's property. So no one suspected him to be the Ganav. The point is, is that since he did the act of Meshicha outside the Rishus Habaylim, so it's considered the Meshicha, now that he stole it, so if he sells it or shechts it, even if he does it, the Rishus Ham, he's going to be Chayv, Dalad Vehei. Oi continues the Mishnah. Or if he did, obviously, everything outside the Rishus. So he gave it one pull. And then he slaughtered it, or then he shechted it, then he sold it. So in all these cases, says the Mishnah, that's the rule, because he committed an act of Geneva before he committed the act of Tvicho Mechiram. Abel, to contrast, says the Mishnah, if he stole the animal and he sold it or slaughtered it, in the domain of its original owners. And he did Mashiach. And L'Shem Geneva. Since halachically, he's not yet considered the Ganef, yes, he sold it. Now it's no longer in the domain of the original owners. But the Ganef didn't do Geneva before Tzvicha Mechira. It legally was, so to say, all done together. He's not going to have to pay Dalal Bey. Or, if the Ganav began to drag the animal out of the domain of the owner, and the animal died in the domain of the owner. So says the Mishnah, Pater. And here Pater Rashi says, he will be completely exempt even from the Keren. In other words, even though once a person steals an animal, the dinis is chayiv even bo'inus. We don't care. When, when is the ganav chayiv even bo'inus? If he's a ganav. If he's halachically already the ganav. Here he was during the act of Geneva. Now the animal died naturally. If the ganav caused the animal's death, that's something else. Since the animal died naturally, even though it was, he was schlepping it, you're still b'rashus ha'ba'olim, you're going to be potted, again, Ashi holds, potted even from the keren. 
the entire Mishnah, only when the Ganef is trying to affect a Mishicha, for which, as we explained, Mishicha only functions when you take the animal outside the domain of its original owner. Higbiyai, let's go back to the Ganef, if the Ganef lifted the animal, or if you already or if you did Mashiach and the animal now is outside the domain and now the animal dies, the animal dies naturally. You're already chayv. And by the way, you're chayv already kefal. You're ganav. Pay back the principal. Pay back the, pay back the penalty. Another din. Now we're going to learn the Mishnah the way we're going to learn it now and the way we're going to have it in the Maskana even though for a moment the Gemara is going to try to interpret this line completely different. So again, this is the first Havamina, and this is going to be Taka, the final Maskana. That if before the Ganav did a Kenyan, this is the way we're going to learn it. The Ganav tells a Kayan, Oop, I have a Bukhar, I have to give you the Kayan, five Sulayim, go take my animal. The Kayan didn't know that the animal doesn't belong to the dad. The dad is a Ganav. But the dad didn't do the Kenyan. The Kayan was the one that took it out. Or he tells... The Ganav tells about Chayv, I owe you money. You know, today is your lucky day. Today I'm paying you back. Go over there, go on that address and take my animal. It wasn't the Ganav's animal. Now the Ganav didn't take it out, but it shows Bailam. The Ganav didn't make a Kenyan. Or if this Ganav is telling one of the Dalit Shaimnim to guard it, he's borrowing, he's renting it, it's not his, and he didn't touch it. So either he told the Shemir Chinam, Go, do me a favor, that animal that's in that address, which is my animal, which is a lie, be a shaymer chinam. Or he tells a borrower, oh, you want to borrow an animal? I'm a nice guy, I'll lend you an animal. It's not his. Or And now, meaning, who's the moishchai referring to? That's going to be the Havamin and the Maskana, the Kayan, the Balchayv, any one of the Dalit Shaimrim, and again, this animal died naturally before any Kenyan was done. Here we say Pater. However, if Hegbiyai, if the Kayan lifted it, or the Balchayv lifted it, or any of the Dalit Shaimrim lifted it, or and now the animal died even Ba'inus, so says the Mishnah. The Ganif is Chayiv. That's the way we're learning Pshat. Now here, Toysavus asks a question. Most people won't have the question. Because we just had now, on Daf Ayin Aleph, and we had in the last year, on Daf Ayin Chesamad Beis, as much as we had it in Daf Ayin Aleph, that Yesh Liach Ledvar Aveira, but people make a big mistake. Like we spoke that out on Daf Ayin Ches. Yesh Liach Ledvar Aveira is only for the act of Tvicha. For the act of Geneva, we don't say Yesh Liach Ledvar Aveira. And here the question is, we're emphasizing that before there's even a chiv of Dalad Vehei, there has to be an act of Geneva. Here, the Ganav didn't steal it, the way we're learning Shat Mishnah. The Kain was the one that stole it. The Kain didn't know he's stealing it. But who did the act? The Kain did the act. How can we, the way we're learning Shat Mishnah, Chayiv the Ganav, that's in the second to last Taisvist, in the middle of the Taisvist, gives Taisvist a very powerful answer, and he brings down the two reasons that we have in Shas as why is it that we say, so one reason we learn together was in Kedushan, so when you, you listen to the Mishaleach, the first, the original Mishaleach is God Almighty. Hashem says don't steal. A human being told you to steal on their behalf. 
why did you allow yourself to listen? Why did you connect yourself to the Mishalech? Your sin. If the Shliach knows that Hashem said not to do it. So when he knows it's an act of a Aveira, only there do we say, since over here the Kayan or the Balchayv, or the Shreinim, they didn't know that this animal is a stolen animal. They had no idea. Here, says Taisvis, we do say, The other reason Taisvis says that we find throughout Shas for because when the Mishalech tells the Shliach to do something, the Mishalech himself is not certain if the Shliach is going to do it or not, because the Mishalech knows that the Shliach knows it's a sin. So even after he appointed him, he, he doesn't know himself whether he'll fulfill it or not. But coming back over here, since the Mishaleach knows that the Shliach here, the Kayim, the Balchayv, the Shemim, they don't know it's an act of theft, so he knows they'll do it. So, Vaitir Yeshliach Ledvaraveira. Okay, coming back in the Gemara. Boya Meimer, Meimer asked the following question. In other words, of course there's always a doubt they might not do it, but you don't know that they have a legitimate reason why not to do it. Here, when you know that they know it's a sin, then you don't know yourself whether they'll listen to you or not. You know, go, go steal. You know yourself that that person should say no. They should say no. Here, you don't know that they should, they, they should not say no. They don't, they've asinished. Boy, asked the question. Now this question, as we'll see, will become related in a moment to our sugya. We're going to learn above a mitziah. And throughout the Bavis and throughout Shas, it's good to remind ourselves there's a very important machlaikis, which is quoted in the Bava Metziah, between Rabbi Yechanan and Ishlakish regarding Kinyanim. Rabbi Yechanan says, that money affects a Kinyan. Even before the buyer, let's say, will take possession of that which he's buying, by him giving money to the seller, and the seller taking at least a pruta, that affects the Kenyan. However, says Rabbi Yechanan, even though that money should not be enough, and that you should need Meshicha. Why? Because if Ma'ois will be Kainois, the object that was sold is still in the property of the seller. Shema which means that what were to happen in all good honesty that if in the seller's property a fire breaks out and he knows he's losing his stuff in this fire and some of what he has in his possession was already sold and if we're going to keep the Dvar trader that it's no longer his he's not a malach whose property do you think he's going to save? he's going to save that which belongs to him that which doesn't belong to him will let burn so in order to motivate the seller to look after this property the way he looks after his own property. So the Chachamim says, Moiz doesn't affect the Kenyan. You only own it after you take it. And before you took it, it still belongs to the seller. So it protects the buyer. Now, Reish Lakish holds that the Dvar Toyra Meshich We're going to learn our Gemara, Kishitas Rabbi Yechlan. Dvar Toyra Moiz Kainas. And therefore, they made a Takana Shema, Nisrifu Chitecha Baliyah demands that Meshich has to be made. The buyer has to take possession. Here the question is, when it comes to the Shemrim, by all the Dalit Shemrim, they are responsible for that object, whether they're guarding it, whether they're borrowing it, whether they're renting it. From when are they considered responsible for this object? Do we say that just like the Chachamim said, even though Dvar Tredem Mo'oiz Kainoiz, but you need to have Meshicha for 
to affect the sale, do they say the same thing by Yashomer? Even though by Yashomer, the logic behind this Takana is not applicable. There's no worry of Shema Yoemru Nisifu Chitecha Baliyah. You understand? It doesn't belong to the Shomer. Fakert, if there's a fire in the house of the owner, of course he's going to protect his property. It won't make a difference for him one way or the other. Or, do we say it by Pluk? That once the Chachamim said that Meshicha is needed, Meshicha will be needed. Now, by the way, the Achrenim speak out, if Meshicha is not needed to affect the start of the time of the Shemrim, what will affect, when, from when will the Shemrim be responsible? It's amazing, they say from when they agreed, from when they made an agreement. So from when the Shemrim undertook, okay, I'll be the Shemrim Chinim, I'll be the Shemrim Sacher, from then he's already high. So Omar Rav Yemar, so Rav Yemar wants to respond to Amemar's boya from our Mishnah. Toshima, and again, Rav Yemar's pshat is the way we learned when we learned the Mishnah, and the way it's going to remain. That what was the latter case of the Mishnah? That you have a Ganif who's telling a Koyan, take that animal, he's pretending as if it's his, for, you know, for the obligation, I owe you five slime, take that animal. The son of the is Benoi, or the Mishnah gave an example and the Mishnah said what happens if this animal dies naturally now that we established the way Tresvus explains here so the Ganev is going to be responsible if the act of Geneva happened and what will affect the act of Geneva clearly the Mishnah says if it was then Potter but if the animal died outside the Rishos Bailam, so then the Ganif is going to be Chayif. What does that prove? It proves that Meshicha is a Kenyan that's needed for the Shemrim, obviously. Because if Kenyan Meshicha, as far as the Dine Dalit Shemrim is concerned, is not needed, and therefore it's not considered an act of a Kenyan, it has nothing to do whether the Shemrim took it out of the Rishos Bailam or not. It's not the Meshicha that affects it. The whole reason why you have to take it out of Rishus Ma'alim is because King and Meshicha doesn't work when it is in Rishus Ma'alim. But if the whole King and Meshicha is not needed, then this whole part of the Mishnah doesn't make sense. And my love, again, that when the Mishnah is speaking about someone taking it out with Rishus Ma'alim, it's Shoimer, like we explained. The Kain taking it out, the Baal taking it out, the Shoimerim taking it out. It's Shmamina, taking a Meshicha the Shoimerim. Great. So Ant says, the Gemara, Amar Leia, Meimer tells Rabbi Eimar, don't prove anything from our Mishnah, because Rabbi Meimer is going to learn Pshat and our Mishnah differently. That you know what the Mishnah is speaking about? The Mishnah is speaking about the opposite. That you have an owner, and the owner is giving to a Kayan his animal. However, after the Kayan gets the animal, the Ganav steals it from the Kayan. The owner owes money to our Balchayif. And the Mishnah is speaking about the Gan of stealing it from the Balchayif. That's the case of our Mishnah. In which the Mishnah says that if the Ganav already took it out of the Rishus Ba'alim, then he's going to be Chayif. If it died before he made the Kenyan, then he's going to be Potter. Ganav. Says the Gemara HaTonel Eresha. Why would you have to say the same case before? If you're just trying to tell me that a Ganav is only Chayif after he does the technical halachic act of Geneva, and when it comes to Meshicha, it would mean he has to physically take it out of Rishus Ba'alim. So we learned that in the Reisha. Explains again Amemar. No. That Tana Ganev Shiganev Beis Ha'ba'alim. And the Tana Ganev Shiganev Beis Shemer. 
that the Chiddush of the Sefer would be, let's first begin with the Shemnim, before we come to the Kain and to the Balchayv. That if a person, if a Ganav steals it from the domain of a Shemr, here also, for his act of Geneva to be considered Geneva, he has to take it out of the Rishus of the Shemr. And it is a, a novelty, because it really doesn't belong to the Shemr. Nevertheless, when, I, when, when is, did you do the king in Meshicha? When you took it out of the current guardianships, Rishus. And as Taisvis adds, the same thing must be with the Kainan of Al-Khayv. The Mishnah, according to Amemar, cannot be speaking about a case where someone, Pashat, gave the Kain for the five Sulaim, the animal. Because now the Kain is Mamish, the owner. There will be no Chiddush on the Mishnah. We're speaking about a case where the owner of the animal did not give the animal to the Kain for the Pidyan Haben. He owes money to the Kain. He's giving the Kain a guarantee, a Mashkin. Or he owes money to a Balchayv and he's giving this animal only for a mashkin, which means that the kain or the balchayv, they don't really own it. Still, says the Mishnah Chiddush, when is the ganav considered a ganav if he takes the mashkin from the kain from the balchayv, only if he takes it out of the reshus of the kain and the reshus of the balchayv, even though they're not really, really the owners. And Amar le Ravashi, Ravashi tells, don't be doichik the Mishnah like that. It, that's not a pshat in the Mishnah. Because it's, again, there, there will be no need for the Mishnah to tell you the same thing twice. Maliganav shiganav mebeis ha-shemer. Maliganav shiganav mebeis ba'alim. Elolav. It must be, says Ravashi, that the Mishnah is to be learned the way we learned the Mishnah. With the Mishnah is to be learned that we're speaking about a person, a ganav who doesn't own the animal, and he goes over to a kayan, and he, he the ganav owes the kayan the five sulayim, and the ganav tells the kayan, Pick up the animal from that address. That's the case. And like, like, like Trace was explained, here we do say, In other words, the one responsible is the Ganath. But when is the Ganath responsible for Geneva? After the coin took it out. And Taka Vishmamino learned from our Mishnah that that just like the Chachamim when it comes to buying and selling, even though Dvar Taira Mo'ais Koinois, Meshicha is needed. Likewise, when it comes to the Dalit Shoimnim, what is the moment from which the Shoimnim are considered halachic Shoimnim with all the dinim that they have? Only when they affect the Kenyan, and one Kenyan will be Mishichem. Itmanami, likewise, we were stated, Omar Abelazar, here's Almeida, Kedarach Shetik no Mishichem Alekuchais, Kach Tik no Mishichem not only do we have this from the Amoyed Rab Lazar, but Tanya Nami Achi, it's clearly in Abraisa, that Kederach Shetiknu Meshicha Belekuchais, Kachtiknu Meshicha Beshaimrim. And now the Abraisa continues, aside of establishing that Meshicha is needed even for the Dalot Shaimrim, Uchishem Shakar Kadniknus Bekesev Bishtaru Bechazaka, as we learned in Kedushin, these are the three options of Kenyanim to acquire, to make a king in, in real estate. When it comes to rentals, Niknis, the Kenyan of rental, will be affected Bekesev, Bishtar, or Bechazaka. And to which the Gemara right away has to clarify, what type of property, what type of things are you referring to by Schirus, Kesev, Shtar, or Chazaka? Ilema, Ayintesam, Edbeis, if you think we're speaking about the movable articles that are being rented for which Kesev, Shtar, or Chazaka is an effective kingdom, that cannot be. Because Metaltalin, first of all, by Metaltalin, like we just spoke out, 
You need to have Mashiach. And even Kesev does affect something. What does Kesev affect? We'll learn this in Bava Metziah. That even a little Abiyachan, that the Chachamim said Mashiach is needed from a Taltalin, but once money exchanged hands, none of the parties are allowed to ethically back out. And if one of them backs out, they are cursed with the Mishapara. A statement is made that the one who, who made retribution from the generation of the flood, from the generation of the Tower of Babel, will take retribution from people who go back on their words. But that Mishapara is only given after money is exchanged. But if a document was written on the Taltalin, it has no effect, not even for a Mishapara. So therefore, Amar Abchizda, that what the Brais is referring to is Chiras de Karka, which is Taka de Halacham, that if someone is renting a piece of real estate, what affects the king? Okay, so you have the concept of a Chazaka, that the one moving in, the renter, performs an act of Chazaka in the property. You have the concept of money, and we also have the concept of a Shtar, which means that if the, if the owner is writing a document that this is rented to you, for whatever the conditions are, and the document exchange hands, this is a valid Kenyan for Schiros. Continues the Gemara, three lines from the top and off, Ayin Tesomet Beis, Omar Rabbi Elazar. We're going back to the din of a Ganeth and a Gazlin, that yeah, we learned the Mishpatim, Chav Beis, Pasigimel, according to some Tanoim, Chav Beis, Pasig Vav, that if a person is a Ganeth, and they are caught, they have to not only give back that which they stole, they have to, they're penalized by having to give back the same amount again. Kefal, double. But that's only if it's what we call in English, if it's an act of theft. If it's a ganeth. But if the person is a robber, is a gazlan, and here's the gemara that will define clearly the difference between geneva and gezela. If a person is a robber, it blatantly taking an article out of its owner's possession in front of the public and in front of its owner. Ironically, of course, that which he robbed, he has to give back. But there is no penalty for kefal. And subsequently, wherever there's no penalty for kefal, there's never a penalty of dalad vehe. Like we explained. Dalad vehe is dafka. It's dalad vehe and not gimel v'dalad. If you don't have kefal, you'll never get to dalad vehe. So says Rabbi Lazar, If you see this person, we're calling him generally a thief, but now we're going to have to clarify, is he a thief or a robber? If he was hiding in a forest, and he's hiding there in order to rob people, and Taka, he succeeded in his act of robbery or theft, and he stole an article that wandered into the forest, and then the Tavach or Umachar, you have to pay Dawud Vehei. Someone hiding in the forest is still considered a Ganif and not considered a Goslin, even though everyone knew that he's in the forest. He knew that he's being observed being in the forest. He's still considered a Ganif. I, first of all, the Gemara asks a technical question. And we have to just clarify what Rabbi Lazar is saying. Am I, one second, how can you jump that if he shechts or sells his Chayv Dalad Vehei, the whole din we learned today in the Mishnah is that you're only chayv dalad vehei if prior to tvicha, prior to mechira, you did an act of geneva. And the act of geneva would be, for example, the king of Meshach. So to this clarifies Rab Chizda, Rab Chizda, of course Rabbi Lazar is speaking about a case where he did an act of geneva. And by the way, it's ke'ilu milsa agav urcha komash that Meshach doesn't 
only mean the Ganef physically drawing the animal towards him. If the Ganef shehikisha b'makel, if he strikes the animal with a stick, and because of the blow the animal moves, that's also considered Mashiach. So of course Rabbi Lazar is speaking about Mashiach. The Kiddush of Rabbi Lazar is, is that he's considered a Ganef and not a Gazlan, even though everyone knows that so-and-so, that person, is hanging out in the forest to rob people. So on that they ask, this is the point here, since people are aware of him being there, and let's go take it a step further, and this person knows that people knows that he's there. So Gazlan who answers the Gemara, since he's hiding himself from his victim, Ganef, who is considered a Ganef, the point of Rabbi Lazar is Gavaldik. The definition of a Ganef is not whether he is known by the owner to be the Ganef. No. The definition of a Ganef is someone who is afraid to confront the owner during the act of theft. Even if this person is aware that the owner of the animal that he stole knows that he's the Ganef, he's not called a Gazlan. A Gazlan is someone who steals it in front of the owner in a way that he demonstrates that he's not afraid of the owner. Hiding in the forest means that when he's stealing it, he doesn't want the owner to see it then. Even though he knows that the moment... That's a good example. He's still considered the Ganev because he's afraid to confront the Gazlan the fun of. That's the difference between the Ganev and the Gazlan. Good question. So says the Gemara of El Gazlan Hechidami. So let's define what is the Gazlan, for which there's no kafel, and subsequently, even if Tavachomachar, no four or five, Amarababohu, Kigoin Binayo Ben Yehoyada. Right? He was the one that was involved in getting the Shamir room. But what happened? So according to Pasik Shinemar, a Pasik in Shmuel base, that Vayigzoil Esachanis Meyad Hamitzi, that he robbed, the word is Vayigzoil, the spear from the hand of the Egyptian. In other words, he was such a strong warrior that he was going to wage war against this Egyptian. He stole the spear from the hand of the Egyptian and he killed him with that spear. In other words, he's not afraid to confront the victim in his face. Rabbi Yechanan Amar, another example of a gazlan, like the people who lived in Shechem. Here recording a Pasuk from Shoftim. Vayisimulai that the inhabitants of Shechem set up ambushes on top of the mountains and anyone who passed on those roads they were ambushed by Baal Shechem everyone knew that they're there and when they made the ambush they ambushed people in front of their faces now what's interesting here is that one Pasuk is from Shmuel Beis Shmuel Beis comes after, first of all, again, Shmuel Beis, Shmuel Beis was a Mazel Tov born by the Goyim. By us, we learned this in Baba Basra. There's no Shmuel Aleph or Shmuel Beis. The Christians invented that. We have Shmuel. But Shoftim comes before Shmuel. So, why didn't he bring the earlier Pasuk from Shoftim? Answers the Gemara, Amar Lach. Kivan dimitamre itmurei loigazlan eninu. He holds that the fact that they were hiding in an ambush already disqualifies them from being a Gazlan. Yes, you had them confronting their victim in their faces, but on the other hand, they were hiding from everyone else. You know, it's a Gazlan is someone 
who in the face of his victim and in the face of everyone else, bla- a blatant robber. That Rabbi Yechanan will hold the reason why they were hiding is not because they are afraid of others. They're hiding because they want to succeed in their act of gazela. If you're going to know that those bandits are on that road, no one is going to go there. It's only Deloy Nachzinu in Shi for people not to see them there. Then the Akruminayu and escape them. But but they they have no fear of anyone. Not of public. They don't care if people know that they're robbing. They're not afraid to confront their potential victim while they are robbing, before the robbing, during the robbing, after the robbing. That's a goslin, and that also includes that story of Anshe Shem. Continues the Gemara. Shalom Talmid Debes Rabbi Yechonim Ben Zakkai. The students of Rabbi Yechonim Ben Zakkai asked their Rebbe, "Mipnei Ma'achmiro Tayda Beganaf Yisumi Mi Bagazlon Adz the Bach." Why is it that the Tayda by the Ganaf adds a penalty, which is the penalty of Kefal that we don't find by Gezelon? The thief is treated worse than the robber. Amar Lohen responded, "Rabbi Yechonim Ben Zakkai Zeh," meaning the Gazlon. Hishva Kavayd Eved LeKavayd Kainai. He doesn't have a high opinion of anyone, but at least he did not look at the honor of his master. He did not mistreat his master worse than he mistreated his, his Evet. However, even worse, like we explained. In other words, when a person is hiding, what are they saying when they're hiding? I'm afraid of others. I don't want to be known by others. I don't want to be seen by others. There's a certain type of fear of the other. That's why they're hiding. God Almighty, is, from Him you can't hide. So if you are afraid of others, why are you not afraid of God? That means that you put a human being even more on a higher level than God Almighty. That's a terrible disgrace to Hashem. The Goslin is talking, doesn't care about others, not of God, unfortunately, but he doesn't care about anyone either. He cares about no one. And like he says, when a person is a ganif, also ayin shalmata, the word ayin shalmata is a euphemism. It's really ayin shalmaila. It's God's eye. That also ayin shalmata And When the victim is being victimized, he shouts out to God. But you're not afraid that God is going to hear his shouts? So you're not afraid of others. So if you're not afraid of others, you are afraid of human beings? That's even worse. Shenamar Azad says, Hoi, woe is it, Hama'amikim Mahashem lasted Eitzah, to those who, who hide in the depths to conceal counsel from Hashem. And they have their deeds done in the dark. Woe is it to them. Again, woe is it to anyone who does wrong. But here it's another wrong. You know, it's injury on top of injury. Here they're doing wrong. And they're, and they're saying that I'm afraid of others, but I'm not afraid of God. And Viksiv, and as it says, when the Ganovim say that that God won't see, or God won't understand what I'm doing, that's, that's, that is what an act of Geneva represents. Viksiv, or as it says, those who say that God abandoned the world, and God doesn't see. Now again, the Gazlan is not better in this aspect. The Gazlan also has no respect to God or the Yetzir Hara at that moment allowed him to ignore God. But at least when he was in that moment of ignoring God, he ignored everyone else as well. For him, everyone is equally nothing. The Ganath makes people more important than Hashem. Tanya we learned, 
Ahmed Abmeir, Abmeir says that Mashlu, Mashul, Mishum, and Abgamliel, that Rangmuliel gave the following example. To what this can be compared to, that there are two people living in the city. For also Mishta and both of them made a party. One of them invited all of the commoners, all of the citizens, but he did not invite the nobility. He did not invite the princes. So imagine the insult to the princes. Everyone else he invited, but not the Bnei HaMelech. Now the other one who made a party, the Echad, invited no one. It was taken that nice that he didn't invite the princes, but he invited no one. So who did a greater crime? Obviously, the one who invited everyone, but did not invite the king, that was the one that did a worse sin. The Ganath is worse than the Ghazlan. Now continues the Gemara, and we spoke this out one time previously. But the question that we are addressing here is that why is it if the Ganath later either sold or shechted the ox or the lamb, the Taita adds a penalty, but the ox's penalty is more than the lamb's penalty. It's Hamisha, Bakar, five for the ox, and only Arbas Sain. Why? Why five and therefore? So we're going to give reasons on both sides. We're going to give a reason why Dafka five for an ox, and we're going to give a reason why Dafka four for the lamb. Omar Abimeir, boy, you a come and see. Come Godel Koyer Shalom Look how great work is. Shoyer Shabitul Mimalachtoi. That when a person steals an ox, aside of the crime of, of thievery, the owner normally would use the ox to plow fields. So he deprived the owner, the rightful owner of the ox with the ability to do work. Which is why the penalty for that sale or shechita is going to be more than the penalty for shechita mechita by a lamb. Chamisha. Seh, lambs normally don't work. They just go out to the pasture. Since no work was deprived, therefore you only pay four. So that's why the ox is worse than a lamb. Now we're going to have the reverse. Come and see. Look how much God gives value or gives importance to human dignity. What's the human dignity? When a person steals, it's not that we are concerned for the dignity of the Ganav. He dishonored himself by stealing. But nevertheless, when he stole the ox, an ox walks on his own. So he did not have to schlep the ox. He did not have to, so to say, humiliate himself of schlepping, of putting the ox on his shoulders. Who's carrying who? Who's serving who? So therefore, when the ox walks on his own feet, for that, good, pay five. But, but since since the Ganav needed to put the lamb on his shoulders, which is his diminishing, his covered abriyos, so for that, Hashem, so to say, has more rachmanas on him. He gets a break. And he only has to pay Arba'om. Moving on to the next Mishnah. Now, we're going to start learning certain rabbinic decrees regarding owning or raising animals. Certain animals in certain places are forbidden. And now this is a, for the first time, people are a bit shocked. Says the Mishnah, Ein megadlin behema dako the Chachamim made a decree that you're not allowed, you're not allowed to raise small domesticated animals which refer to goats and sheep in Eretz Yisrael. 
Why? Says Rashi. Let's read the Rashi in the beginning of the Mishnah. There is a mitzvah called Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Now these small animals, commonly they go out to graze and animals don't differentiate between Geneva and not Geneva. That's a side of the Chamoir of Pinchas Benyar. So they're going to go into other people's properties and they're going to steal. They're going to eat their grass. They're going to eat their hay. They're going to eat their food. It doesn't suffice for the owner to say, if my animal will damage your property, it will steal, I'll pay. Of course you have to pay. But you cannot own something that probably will end up stealing of someone else. And as Tosavis adds very importantly, when the Mishnah is sharing this Tikkun Chachamim, that ain't Megadlon, the Hemadaka Beretz Yisrael, it doesn't only mean a person who's planning to raise them out in the pasture. It even means a person who is planning to raise the animals in a barn, in an in enclosed area, Babayas, where the chances of them getting out is tremendously diminished. The Chachamim said, Loi Plug, you, we do not want you to raise Behemadaka of Eretz Yisrael, but as we'll see in the Mishnah, only Bimakam Yishuv, only where if they get out of the barn, if, then they'll be able to attack a goat, then they'll go and they'll steal. But if you're going to be raising them out in the forest, first of all, you could raise them in Surya, even though we had this in Gitin and, and, and in other places afterwards, that Surya was conquered by Davar HaMelech, but it's in the category of Kibush Yachid. We spoke Adir the Machlekes Rashi Toysvis. Bottom line is, Kibush Yachid, Loishmai Kibush. It's not as holy as Eretz Yisrael. So this unique mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael does not refer to Surya. So if a person in Syria wants to raise animals in their homes, so again, allowing animals to go out, just to roam out, you're a ganef, because you know that these animals will end up eating food that doesn't belong to you. They'll go into the neighbors, or to your neighbor's neighbors. But in Syria, they didn't go out that you can't raise these animals. Or, says the Mishnah, you could raise the animals in an area where there are no fields, the Mishnah says deserts. It means any area where there are no fields, where there's no concern that they're going to destroy other people's properties, then you could raise them. Next in, You're not allowed to raise chickens. Now here, we're going to go with the pshat that this prohibition to raise chickens in Yerushalayim only means people who will allow their chickens to roam free. That is what you're not allowed to do in Yerushalayim. But if you're going to have a chicken, what's it called? A, a chicken home. A chicken coop. There you could raise chickens because they're secured. What's the problem with chickens in Yerushalayim? And as Rashi says like this, that chickens, they're peckers. They go around and they, they eat whatever they see. If, if they'll be let free, they will, it's a matter of time, go into the garbages, Rashi says, in which you also will have dead, some of the Shmaina Shiratsim, that give off Tuma in the garbage. They're going to put in their mouths, they're going to take the, the, even a bone only the size of a lentil from the Shemayin Shiratsim gives off Tuma. Now the chicken, like we spoke about many times, the only living being that could become Tame while they are alive is a Jew. Animals, while they are alive, don't become Tame. But if the chicken will have in its beak the Etzem Kisiyoider from the Shemayin Shiratsim, then the chicken is going to go to Kachim. Yerushalayim had Kachim in it because many of the karbanis that could be eaten by the owners, those karbanis need not only be eaten in the Azara, they can be eaten in the whole Yerushalayim. Maeser Sheni, Bechayr, So the chicken itself can be Metama Kachim. 
So to prevent that from happening, you're not allowed to raise chickens. And more than that, says the Mishnah, V'loi kahanim be'eretz Yisrael. Kahanim, wherever they live in Israel, cannot raise chickens. Why? Mipnei We give to kahanim trumas. We're not allowed to be matama truma. If a coin is going to have a chicken, the fear is, is that the chicken will be matama the truma. Because it's a pecker and it's going to go into the garbage and take a etzim, kisa'ida, or more from one of the dead, Shemayna Shiratzim. Continues the Mishnah, one is never allowed to raise pigs. And as she says, time on Mephadash Bigamara, we'll get to that in Mertz Hashem later. Next din, this is important, especially here for Los Angeles, a person should not raise a dog. Only if the dog is secured with, you know, with a chain. Explains Rashi, let's read Rashi inside. Because dogs bite. Dogs bark. And what's wrong with a barking or biting dog? A woman who's pregnant that's going to walk by a dog might be frightened and lose her child. However, if the dog is tied with a chain tied to a leash, tied to a post, then even if the dog is going to bark, the woman won't get afraid. So the point here is just to clarify the Mishnah. You, know, you cannot raise a dog when you allow the dog to behave in a way that it might frighten a pregnant woman and that fright might cause her to miscarry. You're not allowed to raise such a dog. You're not allowed to spread out nets that capture doves. Why? Lamed Ris, Rashi says, is four mil. Doves, you know, the doves that you have at night, you have the cove, the dove cove, dove coat, and they, and they, you know, they go out during the day and they come out at night. I know someone here that had that. So they normally wander four mil away from, from their home. If you're going to put out a dove net, the doves that you catch might already have owners. You're a ganif. Now let to do that. So if you want to trap doves, you have to make sure that you are away from the issue, from where people live. People used to own doves at least 30 days, and then the likelihood, the rive of the doves that you will capture won't be doves that belong to owners. You won't do an act of Geneva. Says the Gemara, You're not allowed to raise small domesticated animals in Israel as we said, you could raise these small animals in a forest, and that's going to lead us into a whole sugya that there are ten takanas that Yeshua made when he conquered Israel, allowing these animals to graze in a forest, even if they belong to private people, but not on the Yeshua, not where people Pashat, live, have houses and have backyards and have fields. They're, they're no one has the right to take it without the permission of the owner. And if I'm going to own a goat or a sheep, it will end up going there and stealing their produce. However, Basudia, you can raise Behemadaka even the Yishuv. Because there's no mitzvah, Yishuv, Eretz Yisrael, Basudia. And there's no need to say, says the Braisa, that one is allowed to raise small animals, Again, obviously, the one who owns these small animals should not create a system where it's highly likely that they end up stealing. You know, make a barn, make an enclosed area that will trap the animals to a, you know, to a place, and whatever is there belongs to you. 
in other words, that's the whole point we spoke out from Taisu is the Chidush of the Chachamim is, the Tikkun Chachamim is, that even if you're raising the Behemoth Daka Babayis, the Eretz Yisrael, the Chachamim says, B'makam Hayishuv, don't raise small animals. Tanya Yidich, we learned in another B'raisa, continuing in the Gemara, Ein Megatlam Behemoth Daka Eretz Yisrael, Avon Megatlam Bamidbar Shabi Yehuda, you could raise them in the Judean deserts, because over there it's not called Makim Hayishuv, Uba Midbar Shabbat Akoi, or in the Akoi border in the wilderness, or really in any wilderness. First of all, says the Braisa, You are allowed to raise large animals. Large animals will mean oxen, but it won't only mean kosher animals. You know, you have horses, you have uh, mules, you have donkeys. These are animals that are needed for work. Now again, you cannot raise them and let them roam Hefker because they're also going to steal. And the same reasons for which the Chachamim had not to raise Behema Daka really apply to Behema Gasa. However, they are needed not only for food, they are needed for work. And as we're going to see soon, the Chachamim did not make Takanois that the majority of the people would be unable to keep. So they are needed. So the Chachamim just have to forewarn the owners, make sure you raise them in a way where you do the most you could to prevent them from stealing. And if they do steal, meaning if they eat other people's stuff up, you've got to pay for it. But you're allowed to own it, you're allowed to raise it. And again, people need oxen and horses and mules and donkeys for work. Says, People normally would have these small animals for food. So you don't need to raise them. You want to eat it, import them to eat. The need that people have for the Dakas could be, could be fulfilled even if people don't raise them in Israel proper. And more than that, like we learned, even in Israel proper, you can raise them. So you need them, go to the guy that lives by the forest and buy the animals from him. However, since for what you need them for, you need to plow your field. But every time you need to plow a field, you're going to import an ox so you can own an ox. Continues the Braisa, even though you're not allowed to raise them, however, before Yantiv, where every Jew was commanded a mitzvah, you went to the Beis Amigdash and you brought Karbanais, so there was a tremendous need for Behemadakas. 30 days before the Regal, you were allowed to keep with you Behemadakas for you or to sell. You had an exemption for those 30 days. And likewise, if a person is making a wedding or any other party for which you have to serve meat, then they used to prepare the meat the day of the party. There was no refrigeration. So you don't have to, the day before the party, get the meat. And if something happens the last second, they gave you a 30-day window. During those 30 days, you can be masha, you can hold, it's in your property, again, doing everything you could to make sure they don't run out and eat up the neighbor's grass. However, says the Don't allow, once you have it, don't think you can keep it for 30 days, which means the Brais explains himself. Now that the Chachamim gave you a window of 30 days, if a person thinks, I need for the party of my son, for my son's wedding, let's say I need to have 10 animals. And I, brought ten, I bought 10 animals. I bought 5 30 days before the wedding. And I bought 5 5 days before the wedding. What happens if at the last second, I'm not inviting all those people, but I have 5 animals. And I was told that I can keep it in my property for 30 days. So I don't have the right to say, listen, I bought it beheted. I bought it for a mishta. 
I'm not going to use it anyway. Let me use up the 30 days. Let me keep it 30 days from when I bought it. So says the Brai, you cannot do that. That you, in other words, you have 30 days if you need to have 30 days before Yantav, before the party. But you have to shecht it for the party. The Sakabaita Hamino one mistakenly can say the Inafikleid Egel. If Yantav passed and for whatever reason you didn't use that animal. And now you can say, the owner can say, listen, I bought it only five days ago. Until now, 30 days didn't pass yet. So says the Braisa, that the Chachamim allowed me to keep it for 30 days unconditionally, so now I can still keep it for another 25 days in our example. For this we say nish, no. Ella, keep enough of it, I go. The moment Yantav is over, the moment the day of the party, Mishta Benoy is over, you should not retain it for one moment. Turning to that faith. Likewise, a tabacha butcher, his living is selling meat, including meat from Behema Daka. So he has to buy Behemoth. So the din is, he can buy and slaughter. Obviously, you can buy it and slaughter. The Chiddush is, you can also buy it and keep it up to 30 days. However, here also says the Braisa, like Rashi says, there's a Yom Hashuk, the day that you do business, the market is opened. So I'm allowed to buy it for 30 days beforehand. What happens if I bought it 10 days beforehand? I cannot say, well, now that I have 30 days, I can keep it after the Yom Hashuk another 20 days. Because I'm not keeping it more than 30 days. So says the Braisa, no. You can keep it 30 days before Yom Hashuk. But if there were ones that you got later or you want to sell them later, you don't have an option of keeping it after Yom Hashuk. You have to get rid of it by Yom Hashuk. And if not, you are violating this rabbinic decree of Eim Megadlin, Behem Adaka, Be'eretz Yisrael, Emir Hashem to be continued.